Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. I find it amazing that people that don't understand what we understand so like that song. These are the days of Elijah, and you're thinking, really? And if we say that, we're a cult. Yet songwriters who don't believe what we believe can write it, and everybody just, ooh, ooh. If anybody ought to be ooh and an awe, and it ought to be us. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Aren't you glad to be in church on Saturday night? Praise the Lord. Let's turn to St. John 4, if you would, chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. I know I'm doing something very unusual, carrying this um, same thought over Wednesday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Sounds like to me we broke into eternity. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in Father and in Son. or in spirit and in truth. After the service Wednesday night, all day Thursday, I just kept hearing this scripture in John. And I knew that there was more to it, apparently, than what I was seeing. And uh, we'd like to look at it tonight if the Lord would help us. Our fellowship is with the Father and His Son. Amen. I mean, I'd like to be remembered tonight as we pray over the Word, and no doubt we have different needs in our lives. Lord Jesus, how we so thank You tonight. What a, a wonderful opportunity it is, Lord, that we would be able to assemble ourselves together here in this place. And Lord, we don't know at what hour that our rack our card might be called from the rack as it were or when you will come and take us away but just today Lord I heard him say that the scientist had moved the clock up just to now not minutes but seconds before midnight before time is over and Lord, if that's them scientifically making that prediction because of things they see, geological events and meteorological events and weather events and all types of things, how much more should we as the people of God help us, Father, that we will not be like the people that you talked to. You said when you see the skies and the weather is going to change because you say it's red and lowering and you, you, you can read the face of the skies, but you do not know the signs of the times. Help us, Father, that we can not only look at just the natural things around us, but we can be so in tune with the Spirit of God to hear your voice. 
Speak to us tonight from your word tonight, would you, Father? We believe the treasures of eternal life abound in your great word. Help us as we endeavor to speak about you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let's turn, if you would, to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Now, remember, we looked at this parallel on Wednesday night that this is the very same man that in John 1, 1 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And he goes on to say that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light that all men through him might be able to believe. So we see that word and light and life are manifested together in a great union if people have the ability to be able to see it. Now that writer comes in, uh, <clears throat> in this epistle of John, and he says, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now remember that John, by the time this epistle is being written, that John is dealing with some error, false teachers, false doctrine that has crept into the first century church age. Uh, by this time, it's around 98 days, something like that. Paul has already gone. James is gone. Several of the brothers have already been killed, and they've already been gone. But John, <clears throat> excuse me, John is left alive, and he's dealing with some of these doctrinal things which have been projected by Satan to try to come among the people to pull them away from the reality of the truth of what God has done. If he can't stop you from believing and embracing the truth, he'll try to push you overboard and make you a fanatic cause you to go to one side or the other and that's exactly what he had done with the Gnosticism Gnosticism was of course some of them that believed that Jesus was merely the son of Joseph natural son of Joseph and Mary and that the spirit of God actually became in him he got smarter grew in wisdom but he was not actually deity he was not the word and then the other part of the of the aspect of it was that he had Gnosticism was that he had a, a mythical body that could not really feel pain, could not suffer, could not really die. He acted out the part. <clears throat> Actually, the extremism of Gnosticism led them to a spot to word that they believed in order to master sin that you had to delve in the very depths of sin. So in order to conquer drinking, you had to be a drunk. In order to conquer lying, you had to be the biggest liar that ever lived. So you can see what false doctrine off the word actually does. So when John is now confronting this, he wants the saints of God to be able to be partakers of the fellowship that the apostles had been able to have. So he believes that through the administration of the gospel, through the preaching of the word, that gifted men would actually be able to bring Jesus in such a real way that the true believers would be able to have a similar fellowship as if though they have actually sat with the Lord Jesus at the supper table. Now John declares to them through the natural senses, our eyes have seen it, our ears have heard it, which is really unusual for a man who relied so much on revelation because you think revelation and senses of see and taste and all that would be contrary, but John feels 
the necessity of it to be able to reveal it, to be able to go contrasting to this false doctrine. Because they were actually uh, getting to a spot they did not believe in the Immaculate Conception. So they believed he was virgin born. Uh, one side did and the other side did not. So they simply believed he was a good man, learned more, found out more, and he died. But really his blood meant nothing. Substitutionary life meant absolutely nothing. So John said, we actually saw this man. We ate with this man. We partook of this man and we are called to be his witnesses of his life. Now, in verse 2, John goes on to say, For the life that was manifested, we have seen it. Now, watch, he talks about the supernatural manifestation. And then he brings the supernatural manifestation into a natural world of influence, which was the influence of the Immaculate Conception. Because they were now denying it. They also went to the extreme that some of the Gnostics believed that if you truly had the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you had the life of the Messiah in you, that you were his Messiahs. Now notice how close they were in some of their error. They actually preached that you would become a Messiah and that you would have the Messiah's life inside of you which is partially true. But they believed if you had the Messiah's life, you could not sin. So if you could not sin, that means you could commit adultery, you could drink, you could run around, you could lie, you could do whatever you wanted to do, but God could not attribute that to you because you had the Messiah's life inside of you. Real convenient. But it will also take you to hell. Now, you, you know, it helps us to understand whenever we read these uh, epistles how that these men are not just throwing words out there, but they are using these words in defense of the gospel, many times of things that they are contradicting in that day, and they're also dealing with things prophetic. Uh, now, we know that the Gnostics, the men that were under this, this anointing of Gnosticism, they've been dead for almost 2,000 years now, but, you know, it's amazing because those same demons that were on them people are still alive and well today except they don't call them Gnostics now they call them Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Church of God, Presbyterian and even two lords and two souls and three souls and whatever more inside the ranks of the message so them same demons that was on people then are on people now so as God used men in that day to come against error and false doctrine guess what? God will do the same thing again today. Now, I don't have to say this. You're smart enough to know. But you'll find that Satan does not really stand against the tape ministry. You don't find Satan trying to figure out a scientific way or a theological way to be able to erase all of the magnetic tapes of Brother Branham and all of a sudden one day we wake up and all of our data has disappeared from the tapes. 
You don't find Satan through science, through education, through civilization trying to attack the tapes and make the tapes where they are totally annihilated and destroyed. As a matter of fact, I don't know of any God called preacher that preaches against the tapes. I don't know of any God called Christian that is against the tapes. But what is Satan so against? A God called ministry. Now either by false doctrine or by money or by women or by popularity. He's doing everything. There has never been such an onslaught. Wake up children and look around. There has never been such an onslaught against the true ministry of God. Everyone that falls only brings more question in the minds of genuine people and think, well, who's next? My pastor? Wonder what my pastor's doing in secret. Don't tell me those things don't cross your mind you're a human being and Satan knows that so he fights that because whether or not you like it and whether or not you'll say amen to this he knows his biggest threat to the true enlightenment of the message of the hour is to the gifted God called men in this day it's always been that way it always will be that way why does not Satan have a campaign to destroy all of our Bibles? Now listen carefully and don't misunderstand me. Satan knows better. He knows he does not have to have an all-out campaign to destroy the Bibles and burn the Bibles and do away with the Bibles. We've got it in digital format. We've got it in every format imaginable. It would be totally impossible to do it anyway. But he does not have to do it that way. Because his biggest threat is not even really people reading Bibles. That's not his biggest threat. His biggest threat are those people understanding what they're reading. You know, he doesn't really mind. Old people promote tapes and they make idols out of the tapes. And I'm against that because I believe God is against making an idol out of anything in our life. Whether it's a tape player, a guitar, your job, your pastor, your wife, anything that it is. God is against idolatry of message people making idols out of Brother Branham's literal voice. Well, you didn't say amen, but that's all right. It's the truth anyway. But Satan knows that just by you listening to the tapes will not set you free. Just by you playing tapes and you can do it in your home 24-7, it don't mean that you believe it. It don't mean you understand it. It don't mean that you are even complying to it in your life. Playing tapes is not a magical potion that you turn it on and automatically everybody's healed and everybody's delivered. No more than going to church. Going to church and saying, there and hearing me preach or some other man preach it's not a magical potion that all I've got to do is get to church if I can just get there and brother Donnie will preach I'll be free you're believing a lie of the devil me coming and preaching and you sitting there does not mean your troubles are magically going to go away you'll have to take what's preached you'll have to believe it you'll have to apply it and when you walk out these doors you've got to live it or it won't do you any good anyhow 
So John was confronting part of the issues of that day. And part of it, of course, was that this eternal life had not been manifested through the immaculate conception of a virgin birth. Now they were missing the element of divine fellowship which had been restored by the Father through the sonship or the birth of the Word in the humanity of the Lord Jesus. And this is what Satan hates. Now it's, it's amazing that the Trinitarians love First John because they love to take and try to make those who really believe in one God, they try to make you anti-Christ because if you don't believe in the Father and the Son, they say you're Antichrist. We do believe in the Father, the Son. We just don't believe they're two separate beings. John didn't say if you, if you don't believe they're two separate beings, you're Antichrist. He said if you don't believe in the Father and the Son. If there's anybody that really believes in the Father and the Son, it's those who have a revelation, a true revelation of the Godhead. That's right. I believe in the Father and the Son. As a matter of fact, that's where my fellowship is anchored. Notice in verse 2, then John said, For the light was manifested and we have seen it. Notice again now, man, that relied upon the revelation of God, yet he goes back to the senses of the body again. That we seen and we heard and we met witness and we actually saw it manifested because this is being denied. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness. Now they were both by their ear, by their eye. Over 500 saw him actually raised from the dead. Many standing there, of course, when he ascended up into heaven. And yet they, God knew that many people would never believe it. They still don't to this day. That's why I'm not going to waste my time when people say that they want facts to be able to prove this message. I'm not wasting my time trying to prove some sort of something or other to a serpent that whenever you get done they're not going to believe it anyhow I'm going to spend my time studying for those sheep that are hungry that want to be fed that's right so if you want to argue argue to me you want to come to me forget it you're wasting your time God don't argue and neither do his children well praise the Lord Now, notice it was the very act of incarnation that God, by deity, is going to restore the proper place of fellowship that Adam lost in the beginning. And God allowed it to come this way so eternal life would be in a human body. So Jesus Christ was truly God. And the church said... But he was also truly man. Now, actually, he was Christ. The Bible tells us that Moses uh, chose to bear and suffer the reproach of Christ. And he considered it greater riches than the treasures down in Egypt. But he does not say that he chose to bear the reproach of Jesus. Because Jesus, of course, was the humanity of God that came into existence in the New Testament. Christ, Christos, which was the anointed Logos of God that went out of the visible realm into the tangible realm. But yet whenever it came out, it had the very essence of eternal life. Everything that the eternal was. So notice then in this eternal life, and John said, it was manifested. Now he said, it was with the Father that is that eternal life. So it was with the Father from eternity, but it was manifested 
unto us. So how did it come down? Well, it wasn't a bush and it wasn't a pillar of fire and yet it had been that, but it was manifested in a tangible form. Now, as far as any scriptures, we have no place in the Bible that actually tells us anybody ever run their hand through the pillar of fire. And they actually touched it. More than likely, they'd been terrified. But yet, they, they never actually, when Moses come up to the bush and saw the bush on fire, the Bible doesn't tell us that he went up there and touched it and felt of it and handled it and tried to figure it out. No. And neither does it tell us in many of the manifestations of God in the Old Testament that they ever touched them because they were afraid to touch it. But John emphasizes how real that eternal life became in so much that they handled the word of life. Now there must be a significance to this or John wouldn't have said it over and over again. Why does he keep saying seen and heard and heard and seen and touched and then he goes on to the word manifested which is phanereo which is to be declared or made manifest clearly uh, that which is invisible to become visible. So there must have been a reason for it to be emphasized over and over again. You see it is part of the great purpose of the eternal that he himself might be become tangible. He did not want to always remain in that realm of invisibility. Now listen to this. This is a scripture that kept coming over to me as I said on Thursday. And this is verse 3. That which we have seen, again he says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Now notice the channel by which God is going to make the divine fellowship between Father and Son real to the followers that actually never saw it with their physical eyes. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Now that which we have seen and heard, that is what we are declaring unto you. So how are they doing this? Well, they did not use animation. They did not use Hollywood uh, to be able to get cameras and animate it up on a screen and show cartoons of the Lord Jesus. Uh, they did not be able to do anything like that. Yet in a sense, it was a spiritual animation that took the Old Testament God from the pages of the Torah and the Mishnah. It took him from the book of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi and it took that God and added a spiritual animation to his very character and John saw what it had done to him and John believed that the God called men filled with the Holy Ghost had the ability to take that same God and be able to bring him right out of the pages of the Old Testament and walk right before the saints of God then and they would see him in a way and it would be as if it was so real as if though they had walked with him on the shores of Galilee. Well, I can tell you one thing. After 2,000 years, the Holy Ghost is still doing the same thing. I don't know about you, when I hear a man of God preach, my goodness, I, I'm sitting right there. I'm saying, Bartimaeus, scoot over. You're about to knock me off the end of the bench here. I mean, when you're with a woman at the well, I've got my bucket down there too. You understand? Now, what is that? That is the very gifts of God from God himself in order to make the person, the Lord Jesus, in such a real way. I hope you understand this, that, you know, whenever he was here, that they said about him, nobody ever spake like this man. Well, I'll tell you, that is a trait and a 
characteristic of deity personified in human beings. Any true God called man that really has that divine fellowship with God, it can be said the same thing about him. That no matter which aspect that God, but give him my word of the, where does that come from? Where does he get that? Well, where, well, because God, it comes from the same source that eternal life comes from the very source of wisdom. Now, notice John wants to bring them to the followers of that day. And this is one thing that will ward off error and false doctrine. So instead of making Jesus an historical figure or making him a natural progeny between Joseph and Mary or taking him on the other side of Gnosticism, which would make him almost like a ghost or a spook, something like that, that he would come down on the earth and he really wasn't human and, and he hung up on the cross, but that really wasn't blood you saw going out of his body. Uh, some of this nonsense takes more faith to believe than the truth does. Well, praise the Lord. You know, as it's been said, one of the message brothers said that he, he believed in the Big Bang, but what he wanted to know is who pulled the trigger. I believe in it too, but I'd like to know who pulled the trigger. Well, I know who pulled the trigger. That's right. And, and whenever science goes explaining a lot of this stuff, it takes a whole lot more. I'm not sure if you call it faith or ignorance, but it takes a whole lot more of that to believe than just simply what we believe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But we know how error works. Now, John, it wants to bring it to them. Notice the power that lays in this. He said, that which we have seen and we've heard, we declare unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Isn't it amazing that he believed that God called men were empowered with deity in order to bring the people to a basis as if though they had been sitting right there with the Lord Jesus and it would give them a first first-hand basis of divine fellowship with God. And they would see it. Now, not they would see it in a natural sense, but they would see it with their spiritual insight. They would be so enlightened by the Word of God for the hour that they would be able to have fellowship as if they were sitting right there with Peter, James, and John whenever they went up to the Mount Transfiguration. Because it would be so real. It takes the Bible stories, friends, and makes them more than a story. It makes them a living reality. Now, notice that John uses this word. He said that ye also may have fellowship with us. Now, remember, he's, he's, he's writing now, and this is around 90 A.D., something like that. They're not sure. Anywhere from 90 to 94 A.D. So, and, and some of these believers now would have been second-generation people because the Holy Ghost fell, uh, first fell in 33 A.D., 33 and a half, something like that. So you're talking about almost 60 years later. So some of the old times, that were there that were eyewitnesses of all this uh, many of them had already gone and some of them were their children so they were raised in the message and these would have been their children well by now uh, well I remember Papa said and I remember uh, Grandpa said this oh but you know uh, we, we don't know really I mean none of us have seen it but John said wait a minute no 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 there's a way that you can see him when you see the word manifested, you have seen the Father God. 
No, he said, you don't want this to be second generation, third generation, fourth generation. And as it goes on in time, that it becomes more liturgy. And it becomes more just literary types of stuff. To where it's just words. And that's all it is. Words. No, he said, no, no. This is a living Christ. This is a living person. Look, friend, this message is more than a bunch of quotes in a book. It's more than a bunch of quotes that a preacher brings on his iPad. And we'll be reading some quotes here tonight. It is more than just a bunch of words and you all sit there and nod your head and try to absorb what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a living, moving being that is right here in this place tonight. Notice this, that ye also may have fellowship or koinia. Koinia. Comes from the Greek root word koinias, which is something that we have in common. Now here John is writing to people that he says that you also may have something in common with us. Now that's pretty profound when you're talking about some of them to second generation people. But then the next, the step that he takes it even further is what kept going over and over and over in my heart Thursday, Thursday night, even some yesterday and again today. And truly our koinia, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You mean... We as believers, if this carries over to this generation, we actually can have fellowship with God? Now, have you ever been around people that was maybe, say, not of your caliber? Now, say they were believers and they were Christians and they were nice people, but say they were, maybe, well, let's go it this way. They were more wealthy than you. They were richer than you. And their cars were nicer. Their house was bigger. All their clothes came from the mall. Or they were ordered from some special catalog place. And you would be so ashamed for them to know that your shoes came off of eBay used. Or you would not want them to know that you had a suit on that come from Goodwill or somebody gave you a skirt or a dress and getting around them and you could look at there and you saw their purse if it was a woman and you know it had the name on it and you knew it was not made in China. It was the real thing. Uh, and, and you know you, you could tell by their shoes that they were certain brand shoes and the dress was a certain dress because you saw that dress at the mall and you know exactly what that dress cost and you yourself sitting there with a dress that maybe come from Ross off of the clearance rack for $8.99. 
And yet you might be clean and look nice and decent. But you know, you being able to relate to that individual and, and say they are driving an infinity or they are driving whatever more. And you're driving a 78 Impala. It's got 138,000 miles on it. The, the tires is as slick as a pumpkin and you know it smokes and the rods will knock a little bit and it'll bang and rattle and you know you feel like the Beverly Hillbillies pulling up into the church parking lot and yet you go to the same church you have the same pastor you believe the same message but yet to really be able to go sit down now they say say them nice folks come up to you and say hey why don't y'all go eat with us and this no 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 That, that's so nice of you to ask, but where do you all eat at? And they would tell you a restaurant saying it's really nice, but you also know it's very expensive. And you're on a budget. And you have to kind of watch what you eat. So he'd say, no, thank you, that's, that's very nice. But, but we, we wouldn't want to. We've we got plans for today. And uh, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't want to do that. But in reality... You do not feel on the common plane with him. And you would not want you and your wife and all four of your kids sharing one plate. Because that's all you could afford. And you know, they're ordering this and that and the other. And you know, you're sitting there. And, I mean, each of you get a bite of chicken. And you're thinking, my, my, that chicken was really something. Each one of you got a slice of chicken, two peas, and uh, a little piece of bread. And uh, you, there's no way you're going to tell me that you would feel perfectly common that you would feel perfectly at home and you would feel a koinia with some people sitting there because you would feel a difference. Is there anybody here that can be honest and say amen to that? Because we've all been put there in that time in our life by many different things. So then how could John ever say that we human beings could have fellowship with the eternal? So we're not talking then about a poor family not feeling comfortable to go out and eat with a rich family or, you know, well, well, well you, 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 me and you will ride together in my car and, and your wife and them, they ride in my car. Oh, oh no, 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 we'll, 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 we'll meet you there. We'll meet you there because you thought, I don't want them in my car. I don't want them. Oh, my goodness. Now, come on, friends. Don't sit there and act like you know what I'm talking about. Because there's things about us that we would not feel in common. Anybody understand? We would not feel in common with that. And maybe you're doing the very best that you can do. And if they're really true, genuine Christians, even though they may have better than you do, they will not look down on you. And if they do look down on you, they need to be delivered of that devil. Well, hallelujah. You'll never find a prophet saying how hard it'll be for a poor person to enter heaven. But you will find him and Jesus both saying how hardly shall they that have riches. Well, come on now. My, my, my. I know that's really strange for a preacher to say, but I thought preachers are supposed to tell the truth. 
since a lot of our preachers cater to the rich in their church. That's their best friends is those who have the most money. Well, praise God. I saw that in Pentecost, and I thought when I left Pentecost that I'd get out of that. I've come to find out there's more in this message than I ever knew in Pentecost. Well, what in the world am I doing here? But here we are, so it's the truth anyhow. So then how could John say that truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ? So now let's bring it down first then to the Father, which is the eternal. So what would we have in common in order to be able to make us have koinea with the eternal. Now, if I would feel uncomfortable being around rich, rich people, and I could have been a rich man, I could have been a very, very, very wealthy rich man, but I'm not. I've chose not to be. And you'll understand later. You'll see the benefits of it after a while. But when I get around rich, rich preachers and they're talking about their stocks in Exxon and they're talking about their properties here and their properties there and this and that and the other, I have to sit there and just hold my peace because I don't have no stocks. Chickens, hogs, dogs, horses, cows. I don't have none. Exxon, Shell, none of the rest of them. I don't have none. I mean, I just, <laughs> praise the Lord. So I, I'm kind of out of the loop. Now, you know, so you relate to, I say this so you can relate to it from the natural sense of the spiritual. So then what could I ever have in common with God? Here I am, a mortal. I'm born lost. I'm born in sin. I'm born unregenerate, and even after I'm born again, I'm still captured in this unconverted body. So how in the world could I ever sit down at a table with the eternal, which is totally sinless, which is totally, completely perfect? How could I ever sit across the table from him, as it were, or even be in the same room where he is and not hang my head in shame and get down on my face and beg for mercy? Fellowship? How could I ever have fellowship with this being? Because there's one thing that I want to focus on that the eternal and myself have in common. And that is his humanity. <laughs> Woo! Glory! There is one great pivotal point that changes the entire scenario of me and you being able to be servants. Yeah, sure, we can comprehend that. Being slaves, sure, we, we can comprehend that. And we're given orders all the time. Go here, go there, do this, do that. And we never see him, we never talk to him. He owns us, he commands us to go here and gives us some overseer. You go over there, you shut up, you sit down. You're, you, you belong to me, don't you open your mouth. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You've never seen him, you've never talked to him. Most of us could relate to that a lot easier than we could relate to John being so bold as to say that our koinia is with the eternal. Yeah. 
and with his son or his humanity. So truly, truly, same word now that Jesus uses so much in the New Testament, verily, verily, or truly, truly. So John says truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son. Now, servitude, again, I, I could say, yes, yes, I understand. Our servitude, our obeisance, uh, you know, our attitudes, and we give great platitudes of praise, and we worship, and yes, oh God, you're so holy and so righteous, but you want me to come in and sit down at your table beside you? You tell me you want to look across the table at me, and you want to tell me how much you love me? you got to be kidding me. You and I aren't on the same plane. He said, oh, yes, Donnie. Now we are. <laughs> How, God? How? How? Through my humanity. My humanity touched me and touched you. Here is your place of fellowship. Can't you see why, friends, that Satan don't even want some of you that's been sitting in this message for 50 years. He still don't want you to really understand the difference about the real true revelation of the Father and the Son. He wants to confuse you and try to get you to think there's two or three or wants to mess with your mind so you will not allow him to stoop to the place that he himself chose to go because he knows if you ever do see it, it'll change your life forever. Amen. You may know all the quotes about the seals and the thunders and this and that and the other. I'll tell you, my brother, it won't be that to me that'll change you and make you a better man and bring you into closer fellowship with God. Right here is the message that we've heard from the beginning. That our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice the way John entitles the humanity of God. He does not call him Christ Jesus, but he calls him Jesus Christ. Now let me say it to you this way. Christ is the family name, and Jesus was his given name. I was born a Reagan, but I was given a <laughs> Amen. I was given the name Donald Lee. I was born Reagan and Junior tacked on the end of it. Now, my sisters, my brothers, amen, were all born and they all got the family name of Reagan. But mom and daddy couldn't name them because in those days they didn't know if it was a baby or you know, a boy or girl, whichever it was. So they had to wait till the baby was born and then they gave you your name. So they gave me the name Donald, my sister Tammy, my brother Harry, Kim, Cheryl, Trish, on and on and on. So they were born Reagans, every one of them, amen. But they were given their name Donnie, Tammy, Harry, amen. So the family 
family name is Deity Christos, the anointed family of God, and then individuals that are born in that family have a given name by the spoken word. Hallelujah. And what was his given name? Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, my. So you mean that eternal weight of glory, as Paul identified it, is not just in the form of servitude, or slavery, but it's actually restored fellowship. Adam in the office or form of sonship sold out my position. Jesus in the form of sonship bought it back. <laughs> Glory! As long as Adam would have been the word in the mind of God, he could have never fallen. As long as Adam was the spiritual image of God in Genesis 1 and 2, he could have never fallen. Or rather 1, when God puts him in chapter 2 in flesh and he takes on the animal image, then that places him where he can fall. Oh, hallelujah. If it was a son in the Garden of Eden that lost our fellowship, what did Adam have in the Garden of Eden? He never said, yes, sir, no, sir, three by full. He never said, yes, I'll do what, yes, master, yes, master. It was fellowship with the eternal. And it was not just one-sided. It wasn't just Adam going to church. It was God going to church. It wasn't Adam just wanting to talk, but God wanted to talk. It wasn't just Adam that wanted to get together and hang out as we say it, but God, hallelujah, God wanted to come down in the Garden of Eden and literally hang out. <laughs> Glory to God. God came down and wanted to hang around his children. <sighs> so a son lost it. then it cannot be regained through fatherhood. It must be regained through sonship. That same God which was father became son. Remember Jesus wasn't his own father, but God was his own son. The sonship was an attribute that projected from the eternal. So the word fellowship simply means to have in common. So tell me, 
What do you have in common with God? Wow, I love those comments. <laughs> Tremendous. So, would you as a consecrated Christian, would you really be able to fellowship with murderers? Would you be able to leave this place tonight sitting here in the church after service is over and then you go to some of these dens and dives around here where they'll be up all night long? Dancing, drinking, smoking, carrying on. You can leave here, fellowship with the saints and the Holy Ghost and go there and have fellowship with them type of people. You're one hypocrite if you can. Now, neither could they come here and feel comfortable being here. You imagine some guy that's a liar, a drunk, a whoremonger, a pervert, whatever more, comes in here and I tear up one side and down the other. I blast homosexuality. I blast drinking. All you got to do is watch them. You don't, they don't have to have this up here. I can wash their face until they smoke. You think vaping is something between your fingers? It's attached to your face muscles as well. I can see when folks are doing it, their face shows it. I can tell when some of you men are looking on websites, you shouldn't be there. Your face tells the website. Well, glory to God, Brother Donnie. Why? Because you don't feel right. You feel convicted. Thank God you do. At least you've still got something there that can be convicted. So could you have communion? Could I sit down? A man sitting there drinking a fifth of whiskey or vodka, whatever more, and I drag out my Gatorade. Cheers, buddy. I'll buy Gatorade for everybody here. They're saying, what kind of nut is this? Well, I ain't going to do that because I ain't going to be there. Well, praise the Lord. Why? Because I have nothing in common with that type of people. You understand where I'm going. How in the world then could I have something in common? Listen, the eternal being who never sinned, who never done wrong, what could I have in common? But I do. Those of you tonight who are truly filled with the Holy Ghost, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you have fellowship with Him every day of your life. You see, it ain't something that you do on Sunday morning alone or Wednesday night or Saturday night if you decide to come. It ain't something that you do on Easter and on Christmas and so on. It's something that you cannot live without Him. I realize there's people in this world that can. You know, I don't know. I think I could. I think, well, let me just tell you right up front, I cannot. I would be totally insane. I would probably lose my mind and he probably would take my life anyway. I cannot live without the Lord Jesus. I cannot exist without him. Not only that, I cannot exist without going to church. I hope I never get so old that I can't go to church. I hope whenever I get that old, they roll me in the back and the deacon say, Brother Donnie, be quiet. Because Brother Jim and all the rest of these guys will be the same age I am. Brother Donnie, be quiet. Now, hush, brother, hush. Hallelujah. I remember when I used to preach that and Carol would be looking around. Honey, please be quiet. Be quiet. I can't be quiet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because I want fellowship.
to love to go to church and worship the Father in Son and together. Word and Spirit. How many of you all love fractions? How many of you all love fractions? None of you, huh? Smart people. So you look at a third, you look at sixth, ninths. What are you looking for when you're looking at fractions? I know what you look for. You look for a way out. And you're looking for lunchtime. I can tell none of y'all raise your hands. Maybe Sister Sarah back there. That's about the only one. But what do you look for? A common denominator. Glory to God. So three can go into six. Three can go into nine. Into 18, 21. You understand? So here's the eternal, here's man, lost, wretched. The eternal in that form was not the common denominator to change the fraction back to eternal life. So out of the eternal went a common denominator between the eternal and the common. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Between the holy, the righteous, and the lost. How in the world would you ever find a common denominator that would ever spread such a gap? That would go between the two. It had to come from the eternal source. So he could take himself and go into the eternal, in and out of the eternal, and do the same thing to this lost humanity. Here is God's common denominator of restoring fellowship. His son. Christ Jesus. So Christ took on the human form which was the common denominator of mediatorial kinship. Now he was a Logos already, but he had to leave out of the theophany and come down to the earth. So the common denominator to identify himself with human beings was not spirit. It was not angelic. And it couldn't be created flesh like Melchizedek. It had to be born of a woman. So here was the common denominator. Or did some of you all ring a bell? Did all of y'all cry? Really? Most of us still do, don't we? We're just bigger babies than we were when we was that big. So the common denominator was humanity. And people that don't 
don't understand the concept even of temptation say it ain't fair Jesus never had to overcome smoking he never had to overcome the things we do in this day it works exactly the same way by the three steps to the lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life And Satan blocks many of you, whether you come here or wherever you go. Because you look at me or your pastor and say, well, Brother Donnie's never drunk. Brother Donnie ain't never committed adultery. So he don't understand. So that's what you think is relevant, huh? That I understand? Well, how come I didn't have to die for you then? If you believe he is a high priest and you believe I am his servant, then cannot he relate from his own being to your weaknesses, your shortcomings, your failures and give me a servant, something to say to you? But instead, what do you want? You want a pastor that's been married 82 times? You want a pastor that's been a homosexual? You want a pastor that's smoke and drunk and run around and rob banks and been 50 years in prison so he can relate to you? getting hot in here I don't need a pastor that can relate to my sin I don't need a deacon that can relate to my sin I had a kinsman redeemer that can relate to my sin and he has men of God that he can give words to So here's the fraction of one, three. Wow. And then over here is all this mass of humanity, billions of humans. And God in his thinking said, I know. Now he didn't have this thought as new, he already had it. God never did say, I got a great idea. <laughs> Man, I just thought of this. <laughs> he ain't never had their moments. <laughs> he ain't never thought a new thought about anything. <laughs> but he thought of himself. I will be the common denominator. And I will become so common. I'll cover every nation on the earth and every race. Whether they're white, black, red, yellow, whether they're Native Americans, whether they're Aborigines from Australia, no matter where they live, no matter what they go through, I will become so common among the spread of the entirety of humanity. I will be the most common denominator. I will be more common than the air they breathe, than the water they drink. I'll be more common than the sun they see because according to where they are on the earth, they look at it at a different angle. I will be so common among them that if any of them want to be saved, I will come down on their level. I will condescend to such a place and even though they are not of my own kind, and of my genos, if they're not my bride, I'll still save them if they want to be saved. I'll become the common denominator to the elect, to the non-elect, to the church. Oh, hallelujah. I will be the common denominator to church natural, church spiritual. Amen. 
And the ideology of the common denominator said, it's not my will that any should perish. Notice this, and when we become reborn, we become partakers of what Peter calls in 1 Peter, partakers of the divine nature. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 4. Partakers of the divine nature. I found this amazing, Brother Terry, and I looked at this. The term used for partakers in Peter's epistle is the same Greek word used for fellowship, koinia. So this is the basis that breaks. This is the common denominator that reaches to us God's own nature. Can't you see why Holy Ghost feel Christian and claim that a person claimed they got the Holy Ghost and racist? There's no way. You cannot be born again and be racist. You cannot be born again and stick your long nose up in the air and think you're better than somebody because you drive a nicer car. Or wear better clothes. Come on, Happy Valley. We have one thing in common when we're born again. It's what? We're all the same nature. Divine nature, not human nature divine nature this places us on the basis to sit at the table across from God look friends I love you all and I'm going to spend eternity with you but the height of the new birth to me the consummation of it is not that we can get along but I could sit across the table from God and me and God would have so much in common he'd say talk to me Lord have mercy talk to me tell me something it's not like there's anything you can tell him that he don't know but he just wants to hear you say it. He wants to hear you say and make sure you're saying what he's already said written in the Word. Can you imagine God sitting there with you saying, tell me what you believe about yourself. Let's fellowship on who you are. So if you start down this avenue, I'm sorry, I'm no count, I'm rotten, I'm no good. God, there's no way God's going to fellowship with you on that thought. But can you imagine when you go to talk to him, first of all, Papa, I'm yours and you are mine. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. I saw him under the lattice. I saw 
I'm going up the seven steps of the progression of his revelation and I hid behind the staircase. I heard him whisper love secrets. He was speaking to me. You chose me. You called me. You've loved me before the foundation of the world. That's the way you feel about me. Now let me tell you the way I feel about you. You're my bright morning star. You're the first and the last. You're everything to me. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I want to spend eternity with you. Oh my, you imagine you and God's going to be having a spell before long. You're going to be sitting at the table and Papa say, yes, yes, that's what I love to hear my children say. miracle Jesus took on himself the nature of man that I could take on me the nature of God wait some of y'all looking at me you look like I'm crazy so if y'all going to commit me, at least wait till after the service in the morning. I got something else on my heart I want to bring. First Corinthians three sixteen. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 2 Corinthians 6.16 And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God. Brother, sister, that sounds like fellowship to me. It sounds like somebody found the common denominator. And they broke down my stubbornness and broke down my hard-headedness and broke down my rebellion. Notice James says, James 1 and 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down From the Father of lights. Amen. Huh. So God is light. And God fathered little lights. <laughs> Paul says, ye who were sometimes darkness. But now, he don't say you're in the light. But he says, now are ye light. In the Lord. This is our fellowship. This is why whatever age you would have lived in. If God would have let you live in the day of Noah. You would have been building the ark. If God would have let you live in the days of Moses. You would have been one of them that applied the blood. And eat the lamb. And eat yourself to a new body. You would not have been one of them that said, we can't do it. We can't go over into the land. You've been like Caleb. Let me at him. Let me at him. 
we are more than able let's go up right now no matter what age God would have let you live in your attitude would have been the same hallelujah why ye are light in the Lord the father of lights with whom is no variableness now here James takes the constellations and the stars in the universe and knowing that how that they will vary from one season to the other but he says Papa ain't like that he ain't here one season and over there the next season and over there the next there's no variableness neither shadow of turning Listen, verse 18. Of his own will begat he us. With what or whom? The common denominator. With the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So here the covenant God the father of his people must make the denominator himself. Apparently Satan ain't very good at math. He kept reading them prophecies of the Old Testament. He kept, I can't figure that out. God keeps talking about the Gentiles. There's Ruth. There's the Gentile. I can't figure that out. How in the world the secret denominator was hid in the very bosom of the Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Notice Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place But notice where he also dwells. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. The high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. How could he come from that to us? The common denominator. Oh, glory to God. To revive the spirit of the humble. To revive the heart of the contrite ones. St. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we. 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 Will come unto him. And make our. <laughs> that sounds like two. You need the denominator. It is two attributes, but not two gods. This us is the same us in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 26. And God said, 
let Let us make man in our. Uh-oh. Us, which means more than one. But then when he says image, he only says one. Unless them two are the same that merge into the same image. So Adam had God's ears and Jesus' eyes and God's nose and Jesus' mouth. No, God only had one mouth. God only had one set of eyes. The common denominator from the eternal in the beginning was the Logos. <laughs> what brought you into existence out of the eternal was the common denominator himself before time is even expressed. The Logos in word form. God said, let us. Now anybody in common English language would think, well, that got to be more than one. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Well, God, are you more than one or are you two? Or don't, why don't he say likenesses? Because he didn't have but one likeness. Amen. Let them, so God does know plural, don't he? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over the creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man Where's the plural now? In their own images. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female. So God did know the word them. But it didn't apply to him. Them ain't him. Us is him. But them ain't him. It's Elohim, not L-O-S. <laughs> Woo! Boy, that was a good one. Praise the Lord. So what was it? Spirit invisible. Natural. Visible. So here is a visible us. As I told you a week or two ago, I'm an us. When I come and preach, I give all three of me. Right? My soul, my spirit, my body. Praise the Lord. Do you all give all three of your self and response back? Well, my spirit's with you. I'd like to see your hand every now and then. I'd like to see your lips moving and see your eyes. Praise the Lord. Now maybe I missed something in the Bible, but I've never found where this was in place of amen. I've read of the land of Nod in the Bible, but I don't think it was that. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. Let's stand. Let's stand. 
St. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If any man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode. Not singular abodes. Whoever us is, we only need one house. Can't you see in correlation of St. John 4? They that worship Him must worship Him in Father and in Son. In Spirit and in truth. The divine, the holy, the supernatural was the common denominator. There is one mediator between God and man. The denominator. Hope you don't understand me saying it. Don't mind me saying it that way. The man, the common denominator. Christ Jesus. We will come and make our abode, which is Monet. I'll tell you what, and I found this. I just had to bow my head and cry. We will come and make our abode with Him. Look at the meaning of this word mansion. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus considering your soul a mansion? Lord children, what has He done to us? What, what has He done that the divine, the eternal would look at us? What has He done to us inside of us to so transform us that He would say, you're not common people. You're not a cabin. You're not a shaney. You're not a lean-to. You're a mansion. In my father's house are many mansions. Praise be to God. Can you imagine what the new birth has done for us? When we were in sin, we were like a shack. Boards missing, shingles gone. We shuddered in the cold of the night. The rain blew through and the snow. And Jesus come through that common denominator between time and eternity. And changed us and not just patched us up a little bit and throw a little pitch on the top and, you know, let's put up tacky buttons and... But he said, Papa, when I get done with Donnie, he'll be a mansion. So God comes in by the new birth and moves in and said, what a house. My Monet is a mansion. Oh, look at the curtains of purity. The shades of loveliness. The sashes of godliness. The door handles of purity. Everywhere I look, I see gold, silver, blue, purple. The seven colors of the rainbow have been broken down as the white line entered in to the prism, which is in the shape of a pyramid. 
I shared it with you Wednesday night. We'll go back over it again. So any white light that comes to the outside enters into a prism or a pyramid-shaped mirror or glass. Enters in, it slightly bends or refracts, as they call it. Once it comes inside this side of the pyramid, it bends, comes out on the other side, it bends again because of the angle. And it comes out on the other side, seven colors. Them seven colors was in that white light before it run through Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But the prism becomes the common denominator between the light and the mystery that's encoded inside the light. So then running it through that. Then what you can do, set the pyramid like this, then invert another one. Take another pyramid, set it like this. Turn it upside down. The white light comes in this side, bends about 42 degrees, comes in this side, disperses seven colors, comes out on the other side of the prism or pyramid, seven colors, runs into this pyramid, comes into it, bends at 42 degrees, comes out on the other side, turns back to the original white color. Come back into eternity again. Amen. Out of Jesus into the church ages and it rolls right back into eternity. Friends, do you understand? Oh, glory to God. We're right back on the brink of eternity again. Praise the Lord. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together. Oh, blessed God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, as I sat down Thursday, and I thought, Lord, what, what is it? What is it? And I began to look in the Scriptures, and I began to look in the message, and I realized... Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. The common denominator between eternal and time, between lost and found, divides into the equation and settles the debt. Praise God. So tonight, Lord, those that are truly filled with the Holy Ghost set in this place, We're not slaves, as it were. Oh, God, we don't come up crawling at your feet and scared to death that you're going to throw a thunderbolt or something and kill us, but actually have fellowship. Praise God. Right here in this place tonight, I hope they can understand it, Lord. You have come down among us and fixed supper for us. Praise God. Who were we that the great eternal would come down among us and break the bread of life? Lord, how I, I like to do it and don't get to do it often enough. Lord, to be able to buy some pieces of salmon, take them out of the individual wrap, Carol mix up a nice blend of sweet and smoky. Let it set for at least an hour and soak them cedar planks for an hour, maybe two. Light up my grill. Take it on the outside. 
start smoking that salmon. Taking it to the Parker's house. Taking it to the Babs' house. Receiving them texts or them phone calls that evening or the next day and say, Poppy, that was so good. That's the best you've ever made. Glory to God. Lord, we come in here all wore out, all beat down with the things of life. A lot of times we don't even do you right. The song service, we drag our feet. We about kill the song leader. We're not in a good mood. We're not in the right frame of mind. We're not even sure we should even come to church. But you've been working on the preacher. Putting all kinds of savory things together. You know, we come and you set us down. And you say, look here, child. Look what I've got for you tonight. Lord, we go to eating and eating. And then we go to feeling so bad because we think, I didn't even have a good attitude when I come to church. I didn't even have the right frame of mind. I'm so sorry, Lord. You knew that. You knew it already. But you and your love, you just hand out one delicacy after another. Oh, my. Lord, you give us the good, healthy, nutritious things that we need. And every now and then you have to reach in and give us a little smack maybe. But, you know, you always flavor it up with something good. You have to whip us a little bit. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for fellowship, Lord. Thank you. I love you, Lord Jesus. Truly, it is the greatest honor of my life to be able to fellowship with the Almighty. Thank you, Lord. I have great friends around the world. The greatest men of God alive in this day call me their buddy or their friend. They call me, they text me, they email me. I text them, I call them. That's a great honor. But Lord, the greatest honor is to be able to know the great creator of heavens and earth calls me friend praise God and we fellowship Lord I love my time with you I love it I love it oh I love time with my wife my children my grandchildren friends brothers sisters you at the church we're, we're so limited in that one day we'll get plenty of it but Lord how I love my time with you Carol will come down sometimes whether I'm in the basement or sit down there studying and she senses it, tears in my eyes or whatever more. And she'll just come out. I just want to, I don't want to bother you. I said, no, it's all right. That's okay. It's okay. And she'll stay for just a minute or two. And then she'll leave. And I'll do her the same way. Because i got a godly wife that prays and reads her Bible. Sometimes I'll come up. She'll be listening to a tape, reading her Bible. Maybe just got through praying, crying, tears in her eyes. You okay? Yeah, I just got through, just got through praying. Oh, wow, thank you for such a home, Lord. I believe that's why angels can visit homes of the saints of God. We fellowship with God. Why can't angels feel at home? Lord, if there's any here tonight that don't have what I've talked about, 
Help them, Jesus. Help them to see the common denominator is here. They've got besetting sins. They've got problems in their lives. You gave your life as the common denominator to go in between their soul and that sin and sever that first marriage. Sever that first marriage and divide it from their gene and kill that first nature. Praise God. And cast them sins into the depths of the sea and they'll never be remembered again. And it releases that nature which then becomes the common denominator in them. Glory to God. The same thing that's in you is in us. Partakers of the divine nature. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Oh, children, don't you just so appreciate him? Can we just raise our hands? Whatever you have need of in your heart tonight. Brother Donnie, I need healing. Well, he suffered stripes so you could be healed. He became the common denominator between your sickness and the promise. So he was able to be divided into the promise and into you. To be able to release that promise to you that say, by his stripes we were healed. So his body was able to break into the promise. And being a human, break into humanity. And him become the common denominator. Glory to God. To release healing, deliverance. Peace, power, oh glory to God, hallelujah. Whatever you have need of tonight, friends, He is here. He is here. Glory to God, we're not serving a God a million miles away that don't understand. He understands. He understands more than you'll ever understand. He understands when you misunderstand. He understands when we don't understand. Praise God. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm. Blessed be the Lord God. We worship you tonight, great Adonai. Hallelujah. We're here to fellowship, Lord Jesus. We're here to raise our hands at one time, these hands may have held cigarettes or whiskey or filthy magazines or whatever more, Lord. But tonight they're able to be raised in the presence of God because a common denominator washed us, cleansed us, released the divine nature. Blessed be the Lord God. Hallelujah! We worship you tonight, God. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. Can we just worship Him together, saints? Oh my, if He thought enough of us to come down among us and feed us so well tonight, I think we ought to take a little bit and praise Him, don't you? Oh, Lord Jesus, we worship You, Father. We worship You, Father. Hallelujah. Jesus.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How great is our God. Amen. Oh, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, how great, how great, thank you Lord, hallelujah everybody, oh hallelujah, oh how great is our God.
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, sing with me how great. God bless you, saints. Service in the morning. See 